Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the 2009 film Timer. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen the film, just be aware that we do discuss some elements of the plot. Enjoy. Hello. You all right? <laughs> How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Sorry I was late. I'm having sinus issues again because oh, I'm no. like, I am a 90 year old man. <laughs> you know, like you never hear about sinuses apart from on irritating adverts for sinus products, right? It's true. It's true. There was um, a video on Charlie Brooker's screen wipe, I think in the very first season a long time ago. Um, it had a, a slot called the 10 biggest cocks in advertising. Um one of them was a guy advertising the popular nasal product Sudafed. Um, and the guy goes, yuck, this is the actual size of your nasal passages. And his ho- it's like he's like pointing to a huge hole in the wall. And Charlie Brooker points to his nose and goes, no, this is, you fucking idiot. <laughs> so, and like, obviously the time I saw that, I was in my teens and I didn't really appreciate what sinuses were. And now that I'm 30 and have sinus issues, I actually kind of appreciate that more. But every time it comes up, that's all I can think of. <laughs> and rightly so good yeah. old charlie and i you know and go- if you don't ever google your medical problems but if you do you may end up on like medical journal articles that compare human sinuses with those of a horse and i've never found myself jealous of a horse before but horses cows and basically any long-faced mammal um they have really really effect effective and good sinuses because they face downwards so they they have good drainage Whereas we have have poor drainage. Yeah, you know, I'm a I'm like a floodplain, <laughs> an oxbow lake. I'm I'm often jealous of animals. I feel like if you yeah. were if you were a cat in a loving home, that is the best possible life that you could have. You're right, actually. I have often made made the case that a domesticated dog, you know, living in a, a kind of a nice house with a nice family, is living the best life of any any being on this planet for sure. See, I, I think cats have the advantage because with cats, there's no expectations of friendliness. Whereas with a dog, you you would expect your dog to want to do things with you at some point. Whereas with a cat, if it looked at you the wrong way, it'd be like, you know what, I'll let you do that. You can, <laughs> you can stay upstairs. Don't worry about it. You think cats have kind of absolute freedom? They do. They do have absolute freedom. Whereas with a dog, you'd be like, no, you're going to go play with me now and you're going to give me cuddles now. <laughs> Come here, Fido. <laughs> and to be fair, we do that with our cat, but our cat is generally friendly and in- enjoys the attention and is generally. quite sort of placid. But don't you think the cats seem permanently dissatisfied, just in, in general? No, I don't think so. I-, I think they're dissatisfied when you make them do things they don't want to do. Which is literally um, anything. Yeah, because they don't like being told what to do or being forced to do something. But when a cat is like comes up and is like you i want cuddles now i'm going to sit on you or is just chilling out on its own they're the most satisfied animals in the world yeah you know that that rage against the machine song that got to number one fuck you i won't tie to my bedroom that was that was written by a cat 
<laughs> Zach de la Rocha is actually a cat. Yeah, cat de la Rocha. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. He's one of those big cats, a tiger. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Indeed, he is. Well, he had that side project called One Day as a Lion, didn't he? Did he actually? Yeah, so perhaps he's a lion. <laughs> that's great. That's a that's a very good name for a side project. <laughs> yeah, it was him and um, the drummer from the Mars Volta. Oh, okay. Uh, doing hip hop, um, and it was really good. I think they only did like one EP, and um, yeah, they their name is suitably political. So rather than it being about lions, I think they they took it from like a a anti-fascist slogan or something like that right clearly something to do with the the british obsession with lions to do three lions on a shirt exactly yeah one day as three lions the one day as a lion being the day that um england win the world cup because that de la rocha (laughs) cat de la rocha is a a huge football fan he is uh he is a huge football fan if you listen to <laughs> Gorilla Radio, it's actually all about England's failed attempts at winning the World Cup. Yeah, for sure. Lights out. Gorilla Radio. <laughs> out in the semis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's the other one? Bomb track. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the bomb is the football. Mm-hmm. So it's one one of the first riffs that you learn to play on the guitar, isn't it? Bomb track. Yeah, it's that, and um, it's ingrained in my memory, in my muscle memory. Yeah, I, again, one of my one of my bored summers was spent learning the entirety of the first Rage album on guitar. Yeah, there's actually, well, yeah, I, they were actually the band that got me like into playing, made me want to play guitar when I was in year nine. A couple of my other friends had guitars and sort of vaguely could play them. And I'd just gotten into Rage at the time. But that that was the one band where I was like, I want to do that. I, wa- I want to be like Tom Morello and make squeaky noises and have riffs and stuff. But yeah. Yeah, so that is good. the one. Were you there when they played at the Reading Festival? No, I wasn't, no. I, I was, that was, yeah, one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. And they opened with that and they started playing really slowly and then they sped up. Oh, good stuff. I, I do I do like a bit of Rage Against Machine. And also, yeah, I, I highly recommend One Day as a Lion. If you're mm. into the more I haven't heard side it, of Rage Against the Machine, it's Zach, Zach, a lot of Zach Delaroche's um, side projects don't really get off the ground. Um, but this is one that did and it is pretty darn good so yeah that's funny because cats are quite good at getting off the ground (laughs) but maybe not big cats not all big cats are good that's true actually when was the last time you saw a tiger scale offense yeah exactly (laughs) you know so the, the christmas that i got my first guitar was um yeah i think the christmas after that so year 10 so it'd have been 14 um, and as well as the guitar, I think it was that year, or maybe another year, I got given a, a Rage Against the Machine t-shirt, and we were staying at my grandparents, and I think it just said Rage on it. And my, and my mum explained to my granddad that it was a band, and he went, huh, what are they in a rage about? Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I had to then, yeah, explain that the machine is like the American government and capitalism and stuff. Yes. Yeah, and, that, and that's what they're in a rage about. Uh, it's a suitable rage. Yeah, yeah, which is the the title of my memoir, <laughs> that, I, my thousand page effort. Yeah, 
Oh dear. Anyway, how has your week been? <laughs> it's been fine. <laughs> um, any any cats? Well, you've you've got a cat. I you? have a cat. Yes. Um, so yes, we have a cat, and the cat is good. Something that I thought was good was Timer. What did you think of Timer? Yeah, I I enjoyed this film. Yeah, I thought it I thought it was interesting and quite different. Um, in a sort of a quite easygoing way, it was an it was an easy and enjoyable and fun watch. Yeah, yeah, I I thought it was good overall. I don't know that I like loved it, but I did think it was good. Um, as a as a first time viewing, and I I probably would watch it again. I think if I hadn't seen it for a while. And it was one of those films where I don't didn't really recognise anyone in the cast apart from the main woman, Emma Caulfield. I think she was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which was something I kind of dropped in and out of back in the day. Um, but yeah, didn't and the the guy, so the love interest, I recognised him from Scott Pilgrim, where he has a very very minor role. But because I love that film so much, I recognise every single character. Um, who but who it does wasn't, he play in Scott Pilgrim? Um, the the character is called Lollipop Hipster. He's like literally in the background in one scene. <laughs> I think he has one line or he like says hey and then Scott punches him and he dies. I see. <laughs> um so yeah, so I, I I like films like this uh where I haven't I don't really know the work of anyone in the cast well at all and then they they pleasantly surprise me. That's always a really really nice thing because you don't always expect that, do you? That's the thing, isn't it? Is um it, it's sometimes nice to to um to go into a movie where it's everything in it is fresh for you um and and so this again it only had a couple of people in it that i recognized so you know um emma caulfield ford she is um in buffy um and and is one of the better characters in buffy as well um and apart from that i can't remember the the other guy's name but the guy who's is he Dan, the other love interest fella? There's the two. Yeah, Dan. There's, there's Chinbeard, the and that's Chin it, Dan Beard. the man. Um, yeah, and and he is in the greatest movie of all time, the movie that is going to be remembered forever, the uh, mighty and formidable Ghost Ship. Ghost Ship which is one of my favourite movies ever. Um, about this, it's like a salvage crew. Oh, I've just I've just looked at the poster and it's got like a a ship kind of sinking, rising out of the ocean, and then it's turning into a skull. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I love I love Ghost Ship. I highly recommend everybody who's listening to this podcast goes to watch Ghost Ship because it's the kind of early two thousands bombastic horror movie that just doesn't get made anymore. Where it is incredibly silly, deliberately, really over the top. Um, and it's got some quite good people in it. So it's got like, um, it's got Carl Oban, it's got Isaiah Washington, it's got Gabriel Byrne, uh, Emily Browning when she's very young. Oh, blimey. Um, it's got this incredible cast for this really, really silly, like action-y, um, action-y horror film. Um, but yeah, Dan the Man from Timer is also in that. That's um, Carl Urban, not Keith Urban, of course. I always, <laughs> I always get those two mixed up. But why not both? Why not both? Yeah, you know, why not chuck Kid Rock in there, and then you get oh, a real. Yeah. I'd love him to be stranded on a haunted ghost ship. <laughs> he, <laughs> no, no he, offense, Mister Rock. I yeah. don't know if I can call you Kid. Yeah, we're not, you know, on first name terms. Kid Rock. <laughs> He's awful, isn't he? Every now and then I forget that he exists and then he sort of comes flooding back into your memory unbidden. I I remember before I even knew anything about 
the majority of his abhorrent music. (laughs) The first thing I heard from him was that one where he samples the riff from Metallica. And I was just like, why is why is there some weird mulleted like squeaky rap man shouting over the top of this Metallica song? <laughs> His picture on um, Wikipedia is incredible. He's um in like a, a black jumper and a blue shirt with quite a big collar. Um so he looks like he's smartened up a little bit. His beard is quite neatly trimmed, but he's still got his like pan man hat on. <laughs> It's like he's only gone halfway down the the cleaning himself up and finding card route. God bless him. Rather not. Um, (laughs) So, so timer, timer is um, for 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 anybody who's who's not um, watched this movie yet. In effect, some weird company has devised a way that you can get fitted with a device that tells you when you're going to meet your true love. And it's and, and it's not clear the, how they know. It, it's not it's not clear at any point how what the science is behind it. Which I did think I kind of wanted them to try and explain it, even though it wasn't any it wasn't the point of the film. So I'm acknowledging that I think this is a bit of my own bias about the these kind of films wanting more of an explanation when actually it doesn't matter. But it doesn't really explain how they know. They just have this technology that knows when people are going to meet their soulmate. Yeah, and they make they make these kind of um, hints about it where they sort of talk about, oh yeah, it's matching against a database of all other users and things like that. Um, but to be honest with you, I, I don't think you need to know. And I think if they tried to explain it, it would actually like dissolve the suspension of disbelief you have. Yes, um, exactly. Because it would be something about time travel and seeing into someone's soul and all that kind of stuff um which just wouldn't work feasibly within something that's marketed effectively as like an apple product yes exactly and it's sold that way and in um you go to a clinic to get your timer fitted and or removed as is the case later on in the film um and it costs 80 dollars. and now that that is also an inconsistency because in the american healthcare system they would surely charge you thousands of dollars yeah but i think it's not a it's not a healthcare thing is it well, it's it's, more... it's it's clinical. The people there look and sound like medical professionals. There's a bit where they, she's they... lying on like a a bed, like in a hospital. I I thought that based on their demeanor, it's very much like an Apple Store kind of deal. Right, an Apple Store with some vaguely unqualified medical type people. <laughs> yeah, because they're basically just salespeople. Yeah. Um, and, she, and, and yeah yeah so the protagonist una is on first name terms with the people in her local timer clinic because her timer has not started counting down so your timer doesn't start counting down until your soulmate also gets their timer implanted um so and hers has been blank for a very long time and she keeps bringing guys in that she's met to see if they're the one yes because you can get fitted with this device i think when you're 13 14 is that right 14 and and um, it, what's interesting about this film is the way that it it kind of makes these little snapshots here and there of how the creation of the timer device has, has changed society um, where, you know, people will have sort of like parties when they get their timer fitted, almost like a bar mitzvah kind of thing. Um, and, and the way that it changes the perceptions of what love is. And pe- there's these moments where they say, oh, I've never 
you know, I'm only ever going to be in love once because when I know when my time is going to count down to, there's no point in getting into a serious relationship with anybody else. Yeah. Um, and, and, and people thinking that you can only be in love with one person in a romantic way over the course of your lifespan. Um, and, and, and so it raises all of these interesting questions about how accurate is this thing or is it just that it's become so entrenched in their society that they sort of don't think outside of it, I suppose. Yeah, and that's what's really um, interesting about this film. I mean, the story works, which is great, but what hangs off of it is a a light-hearted and not necessarily very deep but still very interesting exploration of the the ideas behind monogamy you know it 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 does ask the question why do why do we believe that everyone has to be with one person and that there is only one person out there for you as well um you know what why do we think that and what are the consequences of that belief becoming very very entrenched um, and it, it doesn't necessarily answer that question, but it does um, it does ask it and it does make you think. Yeah, it does. And <clears throat> I think one of the one of the fascinating things about this is um, I, I think it's the kind of movie where it starts off very, very strongly. I think it does a really good job of world building quite quickly without it dissolving into pure exposition. Yeah. Um, the where... the opening, I think, is actually quite a good um spin on how a lot of romantic comedies work where there's a woman who is looking for love um, and looking for the one and it either shows her going on a series of disastrous dates or sort of desperately you know trying to connect with men who are rubbish um so the take on that with her bringing them to the timer clinic was quite interesting and funny and the open the first guy in the opening scene looked like a poor man's nathan fillion and i enjoyed that (laughs) he really did look like a poor man's nathan fillion um, and and I think that opening scene works incredibly well. So so Una, she um, she she's had this device fitted since, uh, fitted since she was a teenager. It's never gone off yet. So when she meets someone that she feels like she's romantically engaged with, um, who hasn't had a timer fitted yet, um, she clearly is asking them to go and get a, a timer installed uh, to to work out whether they are you know compatible, whether they are the true love. And it's clear that this is this has not happened yet. And so the first in, the first real scenes of this movie take place where she's taking uh, a boyfriend that she has to the timer clinic to get it set up. But unfortunately, his timer is for it's like two and a half years away, isn't it? Something like that, yeah. Whereas hers doesn't um, doesn't sort of go off. She, you know, he and 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 it goes through those stages of where he. This guy is like, oh, wow, okay, so that timing-wise, that works out really well in my life. And he sort of says, oh, just imagine she's somewhere out there doing something and I have no idea who she is. And like, and it sort of shows those thought processes of of how you sort of register that, I suppose, which is quite interesting. Yeah, and obviously she's standing right there and she's like, oh, yeah, okay, well, what about me? And the whole thing is always like what about her and she obviously feels hard done by because she feels like everyone has this this great romantic thing that she doesn't have because of the timer and she really really believes in it but obviously over the course of the film that all kind of breaks down and in quite a believable way i think yeah i think so because whereas some movies so this movie is not very similar to about time but i think the way that it frames its central fantasy conceit is done in a very different way and then in a much more interesting way than about time so about time um it's all about someone who has this incredible power it's all about time outside of the norm it is all about time they're both about time 
um he he has this incredible power outside of the norm and uses it for good and nothing goes wrong with what he's doing with it whereas the way that this movie works and i think it's all to do with the construction is that about time there is never any friction in it Mm. none of its central conceit is about friction whereas here it comes up with that conceit of you can get this timer installed and it tells you when you're going to meet your true love okay that's great but this movie is going to focus on the people who either refuse to take part in that culture have taken part in that culture and do not have an answer or who have taken part in that culture and do not like the answer they've got so your three main characters here are una who is a firm believer in true love and the timer system but who hasn't had her answer for it yet she doesn't know who this person is because they haven't installed a timer yet then you've got her sister um her stepsister who, who she lives with her, who she lives with um which is a, a, a funny little quirky yeah. um setup and like some, um, somewhere within there is actually a completely separate separate like buddy sis movie about those two just going on adventures yeah, and I'd watch that. I think their chemistry works really well together. Yeah. Um, the two sisters. Um, but her timer won't go off until she's 43. Um, so she's got another, like, 15 years or so without meeting her true love. And, and, and so the movie introduces these two questions of what happens if your person doesn't get a timer installed? How do you know you have to revert back to the old-fashioned way of finding that you love someone? And, and how does your how does your brain comprehend that in a world that's set up in an entirely different way? But then there's also the question of if your time is not going to go off for another, um, an, another 15 years, what do you do in those 15 years in the meantime? What do you focus on? Exactly. Should you um, deprive you... yourself of romance because you're holding up for the one or should you, should you just, yeah, throw yourself into meaningless sex or is there kind of something in between? Exactly. Yeah. And, and so again it asks those questions and then your third main character is mikey who is the 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 main love interest i suppose in the film yeah i felt like it was their story yes yeah and initially he he's a um he works at the checkouts um and and he he gets introduced telling this really really lame joke that made me laugh quite a lot because of how badly it goes down um it is an awful a truly awful it's joke a ter- it's a terrible joke and it's exactly the the wrong kind of joke that you would tell if you were working at checkout counter at a supermarket yeah um and actually the, it, the fact that it, that does kind of work is a little bit questionable but within the logic yeah, of but, the film but it, yeah. But it may, it makes a good impression of like it's someone who makes an impression and you kind of see what that character's about from the word go. Um, but he initially you think he has a timer installed that's going to go off in a few months time. But he reveals that actually it's a fake one and that he doesn't believe in the timer system and he doesn't want to have one installed. Yeah, and he reveals that just at the point where it works really well for the plot. And I didn't see it coming, actually. I Yeah, exactly. It works. It works very well there. Um, and And so, yeah, you've got these three characters who are who are struggling against the system that you've got in they are the rage against the machine <laughs> as it were yeah. um where... zach de is there just like jumping on timers he <laughs> he like... puts on a gig and gets everyone to rip the timer out of their wrist and throw it, throw just, it on stage going... so that he can stamp on it he's just going fuck you i won't love when you tell me <laughs> and um and and so so yeah, the th- the three main characters here, all of them are working against what the system is. Yeah, all of them are, are coming up against this these societal norms, and and the movie is asking questions of of what happens to those people, um, which I think is a really interesting way to frame it. Um, and and it creates a lot more 
thought and it creates a much more interesting plot than if this was just about someone who has a timer installed and is like oh i'm gonna meet my love interest in like a day and then they meet them and then like you could see this movie being made by someone with less care and they frame it around they meet and then they don't initially like each other oh what if the time is wrong oh but the time is right yeah which is exactly the direction that i expected it to go in yeah, and, and a lesser filmmaker would have done it that way, but instead there's all of this fantastic tension and all of these fantastic thought processes. Um, the the way that the, the world is built is almost done in a similar way to um, to movies like Robocop or, um, or The Running Man, where you see a lot of it through... Um, through sort of um the way that side characters talk about it or the way that tv personalities talk about it yeah so the 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 main sort of like credit sequence at the beginning that's all told through like someone flicking through a television and it's like showing adverts or showing talk shows and and things like that all to do with the timer system so you kind of get this dump of knowledge in a way that's not really exposition heavy no and you have her talking about it with her like her mum and her sister and all this stuff in a way that yeah it isn't like oh, I wonder if I'm going to meet my true love now. Here is a man. It's like, hey, there's all these complex issues with the timer. And the whole, thi- the whole thing, there is an underlying level of, is it just bullshit? Because uh, you, know, you know it's revealed so that there are people who don't have timers and that kind of thing. And it, it's a bit like something like religion, I suppose, almost, where you know that millions of people believe in this thing, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily true. So it's, it's on that kind of level, I think, philosophically, but it executes it in such a lighthearted way that you don't feel like you've been yeah, dragged into some kind of huge, big debate or thought process. Exactly. And and this movie almost feels like a very lighthearted Black Mirror episode. Yeah. Um, where the, the, the Black Mirror central sort of structure of here's a technology, oh no, technology bad. Um, is is kind of, and I know that's kind of a dismissive <laughs> way of, of regarding Black Mirror because I do actually really like the show. I haven't I seen really... any of the most recent series. Oh right, okay, it's good. It's, it's worth really watching? good actually. I I recommend it. Yeah, I haven't watched the um the movie that they've done, the interactive movie. Um, but I I've watched the most recent series of it. Oh yeah, it's I, got I some it's stupid good. name, hasn't it? Um, yes, yeah, it's all framed around like eighties video games. Bandersnatch. Like that. Yeah, that's the one. Um, but I, so I haven't watched that, but I've watched the most recent series and there's some really good moments in there. Um, and, and yeah, it, it kind of feels like that, but done in a much more lighthearted manner, um, in the same way about how, how a technological advancement can actually change the way that the world works and how far do you push this and how far does technology like overcome nature? And, and, and so there's all these interesting questions about the world of time are like, is it ever wrong? Do people just kind of stick with it? And like, what happens to the people who were around before the timer and what happens uh, versus the people who are around after the timer? Um, because it seems like there's these two very different worldviews. Um, and again, sort of geographical things as well, where people who who live in um, other parts of the country or other parts of the world don't get them fitted. Yeah, the guy jokes um, that he he's from Oklahoma and they're all like, oh yeah, say no more. Yeah, that'll explain why you haven't had one fitted yet. And so it, it's interesting all of these different ways of, um, of, of thinking about how this kind of technology, which will never exist, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no. Um, but but how, how something like this could impact on um, on romance and on love and on family and things like that. Yeah, and it, it gets that right, I think, because it 
plays upon the parts of your mind that are always a little bit uncertain, aren't there? there? There's no way of truly knowing this kind of thing. But it's like, what what if you could truly know this thing? And it's that's a thing that is in the back of everybody's mind. Um, so yeah, to to take that and turn it into an accessible film, I think is a, is a good thing, and it's well it's well done. Yeah, so I liked it. It it combines sci-fi and romance and comedy, which I like. Yeah, that's the thing as well. The incidental bits are funny as well. The the moments between all the characters, there's funny little things like they're in the car with um with her mum and she's listening to like a sexy audio book <laughs> and it's like that doesn't need to be in there but it's very very funny and enjoyable and it tells you about the relationship that he that she has with her mum who also believes in the timer and is always trying to kind of be as supportive as best she can and then you've got the um her little brother who gets his timer fitted at 14 and then finds out it's like the next day he's going to meet his soulmate and it's the the housekeeper's daughter um and yeah, the, the like prejudiced mum has to deal with that. So it's quite a fun little side plot there as well. Yeah, that was a it's a it's a cute little story. And I think one of the one of the great things about this film, and I'm not sure if you felt the same way, but you were kind of playing out in the back of your mind. Okay, well, if these people are destined to be together, um, how would this have played out if the timer didn't exist? And there's sort of obvious ones where you could see sort of like. Um, Oh well, you know, if he if he falls in love with with the housekeeper's daughter, that's going to be sort of like a secret love affair that they have that they try and keep secret from both of their families, and 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 that would be a very sort of dramatic, interesting sort of shift. Um, equally, um, spoiler alert for the end of the movie, by the way, um, anyone. Just to just to warn you, I know you got a warning at the beginning of the episode, but again, yeah, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna not do the warning now because you said that. Okay, they can they can okay. fucking deal with it. <laughs> they can deal with it. Um, so Una, um, at the end, she's at her thirtieth birthday surprise party, um, a surprise party that happens every year, so it's not a surprise, which is another cute little sort of um sort of comment that kind of gets them all to understand the relationship between the family more. Um. But but at her party, her timer finally goes off, and lo and behold, it is Dan who is the man that her stepsister has been. She's like, been trying a... to set her up with, but then yes. also going out with them herself. Yes. Yeah, and, and so you do get this sense that um, that the sister, the sister's name is um, what's the sister's name? I've completely forgotten. Zach De La Rocha. <laughs> Zach De La Rocha. Um, it, it it is Steph. Steph, um, and um, I, I kind of expected that that was going to happen because it's almost by process of elimination of the characters. Like, who's going to be the the soulmate? It was like could go one or two ways. It's going to be Dan the man, or it's going to be someone completely new, and that's going to be how the film ends. Um, but it was Dan. And I was like, okay, fair enough. I don't know how else I would have written myself out of that corner. You know? Yeah, because there's there's the two love characters there's there's mikey the chin beard or there's dan so it could have been either one of them and at the end of the movie you can clearly tell that they're trying to set up still trying to set it up almost as a whodunit as oh who's it going to be because both of them are wearing long sleeves which is not something that they really yeah. did beforehand <laughs> um and you're like ah yes yeah. so they're clearly trying to make you think oh which one's going to have the timer fitted um but it ends up being dan um and 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 you kind of think well if if the timer is accurate um, have they cut out an awful lot of pain here? Because if Dan is, because it seems to say Dan is very much interested in Steph 
and you kind of see that there's a budding romance going on there. But if she's if Una is destined to be with him instead, is that the kind of thing that would have led to um, a lot of pain and heartache for all three of the people involved going forwards, rather than a very clean break when the timer goes off? Yeah, so I I took from that that it's just about that love is often complicated and you're often in a complicated situation, even if you have this level of certainty. It's actually, it's well, it's never straightforward, is it, is the point. Exactly, yeah. And, and, and whereas the timer is supposed to introduce this complete cleanness to the whole process, you can kind of tell that it's, it doesn't work out that way. And no matter how... Um, that there is almost this dystopian feel to timer where um, everything that they put forward in the in the promotional material in the adverts doesn't work out that way in real life because people do have lives outside of when their timer goes off. It might be like Una; she falls in love with um, with Mikey, knowing full well that they're probably not going to be the two people whose timers go off together. Um, or it could be that someone does have to wait a very long time, or that their their soulmate never gets a timer fitted. Yeah, like um, when they go and visit her dad randomly to to um, drive the plot along, it turns out that his his dad's partner doesn't have a timer, or is it that he doesn't have a timer and the partner does, and she knows that it's counting down to not be him, but she loves him anyway. I can't remember. Yeah, so she got she she's the first person they've met who's got her timer removed. Oh yeah, because then she's the one who does the revelation that's like, oh, you can get it removed. And I kind of yeah. knew, saw that coming as well, but it was still funny. Yes, yeah. Um, and 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 yeah, so she recognised that you know she loves this person, but her, that's not when her timer's going to. You know, they've got different times on their timers. They know that they're not going to be together forever, but she'd rather just you know deal with life in the now yeah and 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 so there's all these interesting questions and that's what i really liked about this film i I didn't love this film like you said um but i'm glad i watched it a second time it's not bombastic or explosive or life-changing but yeah it 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 asks interesting questions yeah and, and and that's kind of I, I think that's what frustrated me about About Time was that it didn't ask those questions. And no. that's what got me thinking about similar movies that kind of did. That's the thing, I think, with Richard Curtis and with About Time especially, is that if you didn't get what the message of the film was, it has a voiceover from Abdominal Gleason at the end of the film telling you exactly what the film wants you to think. Yeah, exactly. Um, whereas here it's done in a bit more of a nuanced way, and I liked yeah. it. Although I did still want her to get with Mikey and I was a bit sad that it didn't happen at the end. Yeah. It's actually instead, maybe she'll go go for a run with Dan the Man. End film. Yeah, and I thought thought that was a little bit too clean cut. And I think it would have been better if it had a messy, bittersweet ending where she decided, no, I'm going to try it with, with Mike instead. And if it fails and the timer's right, what have we got to lose by trying it anyway? Yeah. I, think I would have ended it in that way. That's what I would have done, for sure. Because, you know, drummers need love. They do. Even drummers with bad chin beards. Yeah. He's a drummer in a band. What are they called? they got a terrible name. Yeah. Um, but what was very amusing, she goes to the gig and sees him drumming, and the, <laughs> their song, they do, the singer goes, this is our last, last song. It's called Mum, Can I Call You Back? I Have to Dispose of the Body. <laughs> <laughs> they're called truck beef aren't truck, they truck beef 
that that is an awful name and just the kind of band that we would have been on a bill with in 2009 so yeah <laughs> from that point of view it was very authentic but yeah their, their music was was pretty decent it sounded it sounded yeah. fun fun little um agitated indie music um but yeah tra- called truck beef which i think is the name of the production company of the movie wasn't it yeah it was yeah. truck beef productions um <laughs> yeah was uh was impressive Oh, that was impressive um <laughs> and the music i think was quite good as well it's it's all sort of very 2009 2010 like indie indie rock music isn't it or like soft indie but it's nice and it works yeah yeah it's um it helps with the light-hearted tone of the film i think yeah it it, it does there's a sort of mixture of like indie indie pop and like singer-songwritery stuff that makes it all feel very uh, as of its time yeah and also, her dad looks a bit like Jeff Tweedy from Wilco, so I appreciate that. <laughs> Maybe it was. Yeah, yeah. He's a very, very grumpy man. He would, ne- <laughs> he would never appear in a film like this. <laughs> it was, um, it was, it was. Yeah, it's a. I I like this movie. I'm I'm glad I yeah. glad I watched this film again. I felt like it. It also had an aesthetic quality, but also a quality in the dialogue and the way that the scenes flowed that was not dissimilar to Waitress. Actually, maybe that was just in my head because of the Nathan Fillion lookalike. But I felt like there was a certain quality to it that it shared. Yeah, I think there's almost a sort of um, similar, like mumblecore light feel to it, where it it puts a lot on the characters and it puts a lot on the interrelationships of its different characters um more than the core plot and and by doing so it actually makes that core plot feel better um, yeah so i think i think that was that was part of it yeah for sure that that's right it's actually it's all about the people and how they interact and stuff it's yeah it, it's good from that point of view as well and and, and another thing I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of care and attention in this film which I think it needed because the kind of core idea is a little bit on the silly side. And if they didn't handle that well, it could have all fallen apart quite quickly. Yeah. And the lightheartedness of it makes it work. And that means that because it's lighthearted and fun, you don't question the logic of it too much. Whereas if they tried to go serious, everyone would be like, oh, well, that doesn't work. Exactly. Yeah. And But even it's even the little things like the fact that um, people have different kinds of timers fitted depending on which model they've got. So if they got one fitted like 15 years ago, it's like a, it's a thicker looking one than the ones that are fitted like in the modern day of the film. And I thought that was a really neat touch as it's looked at like how iPhones have advanced over the last 10 years and kind of done a similar kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I thought, you know, it, it's those little things there. There's clearly a lot of care and attention was put into making this work in as logical a possible way. Yeah, and actually that was around the time, it came out around the time that I got my first iPhone, I think. So the if you think about it compared to Apple technology from that point of view, it's perfectly plausible, I guess. Yeah, and, and yeah, so I, it and and I think there's clear parallels here where it is this kind of company that's that's changing people's lives. Um, but I'm just, surprised they didn't go the whole hog and have like a TED Talky style thing from a guy with a turtleneck talking about how he found love for the timer. <laughs> it's true you know they could have really hammered it home um but i think i think they did well by sort of playing it a little bit more abstract 
and 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 instead focusing on the little things that help create this world and makes it makes you believe in the world in such a good way yeah abstract is the right word there is the the right level of abstraction to make it work yeah so yeah it's um it's a good it's a good in this film Sorry, I was just busy googling truck beef, and it takes you to a site for red truck beef jerky, which appears to be a popular band of beef jerky. Oh, really? Yeah, and they have oh, they have really nice looking flavors: brown sugar bourbon, Montreal steak, and smokehouse maple. I want them all. Oh, get me on board. Do you ever eat beef jerky? I've had beef jerky before. I, I get it um, a couple of packs in the weekly shop. Usually, it's good. Oh, nice. Okay. Nice high protein snack. In in case you're interested, the band Truck Beef was a, re- a real band called the Henry Clay People. Okay. Who seem like they've done, they did bits and bobs. They released a few albums. They toured with um, Silverson Pickups and Drive oh, cool. by Truckers. And then split up around 2013 from the looks of it. Cool. It's always nice when a real band appears in a film as a fake band. Yeah, I think it's neat when they do that. Although... I don't know if the, the name Truck Beef is a ter- terrible name for a band, but I kind of love it, and I kind of wish that they were called Truck Beef in real life. Yeah, it's it's goofy enough to work, isn't it? It's like going back to the discussion we had about new metal bands. I think that's cl- kind of close to something like Taproot, isn't it? <laughs> well, truck Truck Beef should be the name of like a southern rock band, shouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, they would. They'd wear like cowboy hats. They wear hats like Kid Rock. They, they play in. They play in. Um, bars by the side of um motorways and they just do a load of like covers of songs like Freebird. <laughs> the truck beef yeah they've got one original which is called i ain't got no beef with your truck <laughs> oh, and they're and they're annoyed at aerosmith because aerosmith had the idea of having an album cover where one truck is on top of another truck and it looks like they're having sex before they did yeah and they feel cheated their, their their great success to go and tour with Kid Rock has been cheated out of them by Aerosmith choosing that cover. Yeah, <laughs> for their album Pump. And then their <laughs> hilariously titled later album Honking on Bobo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I actually have a bit of a soft spot for Aerosmith. Yeah, I like a bit of Aerosmith. We've got some bangers. Loving an Elevator is just an absolute tune. I will not hear a word against yeah, that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great. Um, yeah, get get a bit of Aerosmith on, guys. Have you watched the Motley Crue biopic yet? No, I've heard it's... Is it bad or good? I can't remember. I've heard things. I've heard. <laughs> I've, heard <laughs> I've heard that this is a thing that exists. I have heard bad things about it, but bad things in a very Motley Crue kind of way. <laughs> So, right. I feel like it might be quite good fun to watch, so I might sit down and watch that at some point. Yeah. Okay, Google says Netflix and Motley Crue are being sued by a biopic crew member. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> oh well. Um but yeah, so <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know if I watch that. It might be good fun. Yeah. It's hilarious that Motley Crue have this kind of profile because they don't have any good songs. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a Motley Crue song. That's exactly, you can't even name one. All I'm thinking of are songs by other hair metal bands. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You could probably even name a Skid Row song before you could name a Motley Crue song. (laughs) Let's have a look, Motley Crue songs. Girls, 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 that's Motley Crue, isn't it? Is it? 
Oh yeah, yeah, it is. It is. They also have such hits as "Smoking in the Boys' Room." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I used to do in year ten. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know any of these. When are they going to make a Motorhead biopic? I know that'd be great. Can you imagine playing Lemmy? That'd be a lot of fun. That would be great. God rest his soul. Yeah, a mo- Motorhead are in a different category of not having any songs because they have a song. Ace they of have, Spades. They have, and then uh, they have all their songs either are fast like the Ace of Spades or a sort of slow like blues rock jam. A couple that are somewhere in between. But yeah, more or less it's just like everyone's waiting for Ace of Spades and then they play it and it's great. Yeah, they 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 have a f- they have they have Ace of Spades, they have Overkill. They oh have yeah. The, they have the fantastically named Killed by Death. That is a great song. <laughs> um, but you're right. There, there's only, there was only two settings for Motorhead. There was fast, angry, and there was slow, angry. And then that was it. They had like the bluesy, and then they had the really fast, like heavy metal. And they were a great band. Loved a bit of Motorhead. Yeah. And they, they also deployed the, the random umlaut on their name. Oh, yep. Uh, Motorhead. Motorhead. <laughs> um. But yeah, oh, they were great. My dad were great. Yeah. Did they ever appear in a film as a fake band? They should have done. No, but Lemmy did appear in video games. Really? Yeah, he's in a um he's in a video game called Brutal Legend, um, which is all about a roadie played by Jack Black, who gets like sucked into this fantasy world that's all heavy metal themed. Wow. Um and it's all these different sort of kinds of rock and metal who are like clashing together. Um, it's a really interesting, fun little game. Um, and he plays, <laughs> I think he plays a character called Killmaster or something like that, <laughs> rather than Killmister. Which is his name. <laughs> yep. Um, which, yeah, is a, is a super, it's a super fun game, actually, Brutal Legend. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Um, yeah, it's it's good. I highly recommend people check it out. Um, but do you, do you have anything else to say about timer <laughs> um let me see no I, I don't i don't think i do i think i think i've said everything i need to say it's, it's an interesting fun and enjoyable film yeah i recommend it yeah i i'd say the same about it it's um it's it's not world changing but i think in terms of a movie that does make you think a little bit within a sort of rom-com framework it does a good job of it. it does a very good job of it yeah it does you know and and it predates the Netflix originals, but I think it would be one of these Netflix films that we'd be watching now if they were making it now. And it would be more or less the same. And I think that the tone of it actually is a, is a, th- a thread that flows through to a lot of these these kind of Netflix films that are made now, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. And and I, I you're, you're completely right that it wouldn't have... It's been about um, 10 years, hasn't it? It's been 10 years since Timer came out, but I don't think anything in its plot would have to change. No, I think it all works incredibly well in spite of the decade since it last came out. So they yeah. could try and go going down the route of exploring dating apps, I guess, but that doesn't necessarily work that well on film, does it? No, and I think the timer itself kind of it acts as a proxy for a dating app as well, I suppose. So it, um, yeah, it, I think it still works really well. Yeah. Um, so how are we going to rate this then? Well, uh, surely, how how many days are left on your timer until it counts down to you meeting your your cinematic soulmate? 
That is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how many days left on your timer? So I'm going to say there are, um, hmm, there's 14 days left on my timer. Great, and your timer's not fake, right? It's not a fake one. I didn't buy it on eBay. It's totally real. Totally legit timer. Yeah, and you're not going to get it removed. No, I am not. Good, good, good. Because I, because I trust you, poor man's Nathan Fillion. <laughs> you got to be good to me. Um, I my timer uh also has fourteen on it. I think I say I'm going to oh, align go. with you. Yeah, our timers are going to go off at the same the same moment, proving that we are definitely soulmates. There we go. That was excellent. Great. So next next episode is our hundredth episode. Oh my god! Can 100. you believe it? Yeah, one hundred episodes. So, and it's it's my choice. So I've been thinking long and hard about what we can do to commemorate it, or what kind of film we should do. And I thought we should probably do something that neither of us have seen, but also something that allows me to keep talking about Prince, and for you allowing to never keep letting me forget that. Prince released an album free with the mail on Sunday. So <laughs> <laughs> next up, we are we are going to get to Under the Cherry Moon. Under the Cherry Moon, it's going to happen. Yeah. Because like Purple Rain was 50 or 52, I think, wasn't it? It was our year episode. Yeah. 52. So that's almost half half of our thing ago. So that's, that's a good that's a good amount of time to wait to see Prince's directorial debut. Oh, mate, it's going to be epic. Are you excited? I'm so excited. Yep. It's in black and white as well, so it'll be harder to spot, but there will be copies of the Daily Mail in the background. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm excited about this. I've heard strange things about this movie. Yeah. So it looks really bring odd. Bring it on. Bring it on. Well, let's not get into it now, but you know, all we should say is that Wikipedia says the film was a critical and commercial failure, winning five Golden Raspberry Awards, including Worst Picture, tying with Howard the Duck. But oh, hey. Howard the Duck now has has it not had a bit of a renaissance and a bit of a cultural and critical reevaluation and is now seen as something of a cult classic? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> people still think it's terrible, but I think now it's it's hit that lovingly camp phase. Right, um, where people enjoy it as a notorious bad movie, um, right, whereas okay. at the time it was just a terrible, terrible film. <laughs> but you know, I reckon that we will find similar love with Under the Cherry Moon. Yeah, you see, it's got it's got Prince, it's got Prince, it's got cherries and moons. I assume. You know, I I like both of those things. I like yeah, cher- I... Ch- cherry more in kind of cherry coke or cherry aid form. Rather than a cherry itself. I hate the stones, you know? Do you like a cherry pie? Yeah. Okay, there we go. (coughs) That's a Motley Crue song, right? She's my cherry pie. Cold drink of water, such a sweet surprise. Tastes so good, make a grown man cry. Sweet cherry pie. Is that Motley Crue or is that another one of the bands? No, it's someone else from that era, isn't it? And it's got a stupid video of like... A woman dancing on a car, and then the blokes are all holding up pies to the camera. Warrant, Warrant, Warrant is their only hit. Who, who the hell of Warrant? Well, they did that song "Cherry Pie," <laughs> and I kind of hate it, but I kind of love it. It's a song that I like, but hate myself for liking. And I, I don't believe in guilty pleasures necessarily, but this is a different kind of like that I have for it. 
I I have no idea who. Let let. Okay, well after this, after we're done, you have to go and watch the video for Cherry Pie by Warrant. Yeah, I have not seen the video. I know the song, but apparently they also it's a, did. It's a misogynist car crash, obviously. As, <laughs> of as course, it's a glam rock song. All of those kind of <laughs> music a, videos were it's at a, that It's time. a hair metal song. <laughs> it's going to be. Um, apparently, they also did a song called Heaven and a song called Uncle Tom's Cabin. Oh, no. Um, a song About called... the book. <laughs> a song called I Saw Red. Um, they they had lots of songs. That's something. <laughs> That's the best that you can say about the hair metal era, isn't it? <laughs> they had lots of songs. <laughs> God bless them. Oh God dear. Them. All right. Well, do you ha- do we have anything else we want to talk about? Any other bits of follow up? Let's see. My dad insists that Princess Planet Earth was in fact a free nature DVD, but. <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to get you to to agree to that. I, I I'm afraid I do remember it quite fondly that album, narrated by David Attenborough. I mean, I would love to hear a Prince album. <laughs> and <David>. now <laughs> Prince is going to do a guitar solo. <laughs> that was that, that was a bit more that was a bit more Jules Holland, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, and now yeah. I'm surprised by everything that's coming out of my own mouth, Prince. <laughs> It's because he's possessed by the demon of jazz piano. Oh, the the jazz demon. Yeah, he's controlling everything yeah. he says and does. <laughs> I'm just very bad at impressions. <laughs> oh dear. So yeah, that was a very important follow up about Princess Planet Earth. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad. Which we can talk about more next week when we talk about Under the Cherry Moon, obviously. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, but I'm I'm very happy that we've got to 100 episodes. That really feels special. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It's great. Yeah, it's you know when you you work on something like this and you do one one episode that feels like a thing when you're able to look back on something and realize you have a body of work. That's actually really nice. So you know, thank you everyone for listening and allowing us yes. to get to this point. We really we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you everybody. It's really nice to know that people listen to us and either like our opinions or like hating our opinions. <laughs> either <Yeah>. way <laughs> which is which is fine too <laughs> yeah so on that subject if you want to get in touch we're on twitter at big boys don't pod on the email at big boys don't cry podcast at gmail.com and you know do leave us a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts particularly on apple podcasts um it's it's always very very nice to to read those and hear from you and you know helps helps people to discover us and whatnot and tell your friends you know so friends, hey, I listened to this great podcast with these two guys talking about Prince being on the Daily Mail all the time. It's great. It's my favourite. <laughs> and and also, you know, let us know what your thoughts are about Timer as well. And and other things, yeah. like if the Timer device existed, would you want to have one fitted? Would you want to have the element of surprise to your romance? How would yeah. you how would you like to go about it? Would you get a timer? Yeah. Or do you think it's all bullshit? Exactly. That's what the, the, those are the questions we want answers to. So, so let us the know. important questions. Yeah. All right. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back next week to talk about Under the Cherry Moon. Oh yes, indeed. Bye bye. All right. Bye. <laughs>